0: What is good everybody welcome to another gold standard podcast episode number 83 of the gold standard podcast to be exact i'm rob stats Guerrero. he's levin black what's up levin another week with
1: not a ton of actual moves but we actually have news this time because people actually talked they actually got in front of the national media which means they were actually asked good questions
0: <laughs> john lynch and <laughs> kyle shanahan were both at the league meetings in florida both met the media. There's plenty to react to there. Jed York also met with the media and said one of the dumbest things, maybe the dumbest thing I think he's ever said. We're gonna get to all of that. If you are new to the show, this is where you get the hot takes mostly from me and the cold truth mostly from the human wet blanket, levin Black. Uh, levin, we always say we encourage people rate review. Hold on, when are, you, when are you gonna edit that intro
1: and start calling yourself? You get the hot takes from me, the baby comb
0: never because i'm not the baby <laughs> cone. i will never say that
1: you don't get to throw an insult my way and not call yourself what you are you can when you're the
0: host slash editor hey
1: if i'm the <laughs> cold truth and i'm saying you're baby cone, uh, what's that mean
0: well it doesn't mean you can't lie let's be honest known liar 11 black uh we, but we always say follow the show leave us a review and we'll read it on the show because we do read all the reviews this one comes from John Sku 1029. Five stars. Thank you very much. Digestible content, quick format. I'm on board so far. But then it kind of goes off the rails a little bit, Levin. He says, Thank you, thank you, thank you to Matt and his team for producing one of the best 49ers podcasts out there. There is nobody on this network named Matt, I just, for the record, he says, I'm a new listener started in 2022. I always look forward to listening to this podcast after dropping my daughter off at school every morning. So now I'm like, this person, did they leave a review in the wrong spot? You know, maybe they just made a mistake, but then they say, Michelle is great. The longer segments with Akash and Kyle offer keen insight. And Levin is well, a good alternative. If you need a wet blanket, keep up the good work and let's get Jimmy G out of here. Thanks, John SKU, I'll be sure to tell Matt that you appreciate his work. You got some alter ego, like damn. A- man. Apparently,
1: you are Matt because he named everybody else. Right. The I only I guess Liam team... and Javi he didn't name,
0: but the people he named, he was nailing it. I don't know who Matt is, but damn man. But anyway, I appreciate a five star review. It's a five star review, so that's always good. Um, this is another another review, which not as nice. Uh, four stars analytics versus emotions. This is from J Marts 110. Since the Better Rivals podcast has ceased its run of superior weekly 49ers analysis, this is the next available thing. Would prefer a systematic approach to roster creation/slash maintenance versus the scattered opinions of quote John Lynch should do better. They often don't evaluate talent or make recommendations with rigor behind their take. The best version of this was done by Jennifer Lee Chan and her analysis of Jakowski Tarp, but she was railroaded by the emotional arguments presented. Game analysis is basic. Doesn't talk about coverages, play concepts or advanced breakdowns. Not even a regurgitation of Baldy from Twitter. I'll continue to listen. Gee, thanks because it's more like having a beer with your friends who just casually watch football. I personally prefer a more serious take on potential courses of action based on some metric. Well, couple of things. J Mart's 110. First, I'm not going to lie to people and pretend I can understand coverages and breakdown coverages and all that stuff. That's not what I do. I'm trying to learn more, and I do every day. But until I feel confident in what I'm seeing and what I'm talking about, I'm not going to pretend like I do just to make the podcast sound more professional. That's not to say that
1: our predecessor did that. He obviously knows his stuff. Just want to make that clear. That's not what you're saying. Right. Um, It's just... You and I, that's not our shtick. That's not our thing. Um, We both rewatch the games, but we don't, we're not coaches in our spare time like some of the people. Um, We don't sit and, you know, I don't have the terminology so much. You know what I mean? I can't sit and tell you the play that they ran. I can just tell you what route somebody ran or, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm not going to be able to break it down like an NFL coach can. Some people can and that's great for them. That's not me. I'm much more into the relationship between players, coaches, things like that. Right, emotional, as he said.
0: Right. I think that we focus on different things. And look, if you're saying we need to get more people like that on the network, maybe that's something I can consider. And then it's on me to, to bring those people on that, that do know that stuff. And that's fine. But I always promise authenticity, and I was not going to be authentic if I pretended to do that stuff. So I'm glad you still listen anyway. Again, appreciate it. I mean, Rob
1: went to a college that doesn't even have
0: football, so. Accurate. (laughs) Yes. As we like to say, undefeated since 1929. Uh Uh-huh. All right, let's get into it, Levin, because we had people speaking to the media from the owners' meetings. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, Jed York. I want to start with Shanahan, actually, because I thought he did the best job. Uh, which is surprising because dealing with the media is basically all John Lynch does. But I thought Kyle's comments laid out basically what the 49ers plan was for this offseason and how they viewed the current state of the team. I came away with a few takeaways. First, Trey Lance is going to be the starter. They didn't officially say Trey Lance is going to be the starter, but they said everything but. So that's obviously good because that's something that I've wanted for a while. The offensive line holes are going to be filled by in-house candidates. It's going to be filled by Aaron Banks, possibly Jalen Moore, or they'll just keep Brunskill at right guard. And the third thing is they very, very clearly saw special teams as a huge issue last year because of the six outside free agents the 49ers have signed. At least four of them are going to contribute mostly on special teams. So they clearly saw that as something that they had to address this offseason. Do you agree with those? Disagree? Do any of them seem unfair? Uh, I wouldn't say anything seems unfair. The only one that I would uh,
1: put an asterisk by is the second one. They're going to fill O-line internally. Well, that's what they have to say right now because they want the confidence of the guys that are currently on roster. They don't want to go out and say, no, we need to find an upgrade, and then nothing falls into their laps. You know, they don't want to say, no, we plan to sign a free agent. And then whatever free agent out there they're talking to goes, well, now I have the leverage because I know they want me, you know, and that that I'm in their plans or the draft. Like, I I don't think that you're just going to go with who they got right now. I think they will probably draft somebody, probably bring in a middle tier vet who could slide into the be the starter, but is also fine being the backup. You know, somebody a little bit better than Tom Compton, I would say. Um, that, so I would say they're not done at
0: that position, but right now they have to say they're confident in the guys they have Shanahan said that banks was ready to go by the middle of last season, but because they were winning, he didn't want to change anything ready to go where? a right guard left guard, but, I think, or maybe right guard. Yeah. Cause it would have had to been right guard
1: because Lakin's there. So you're not going to slide him into right guard and you're going to let Brunskill sit there and not do very well.
0: I mean, Banks literally, I think, actually played only one snap last year. Uh, so he couldn't even dress for those games in the second half of the season. I mean, if he was ready to potentially go in and start, why couldn't he at least dress? That, that, to me, doesn't seem to match up. So I'm not totally sure I believe that from Kyle Shanahan, but I do think that Banks factors into their plans big time for this year. Certainly. And we
1: should say, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays either position. I could still see this team going out and finding a veteran that they slide in at left guard and Banks goes to right guard, replaces Brunskill. I don't think it's guaranteed Banks ends up going left guard,
0: although I would say it's highly likely. I would think that they would want to put him at left guard because he's next to Trent, right? And Well, that's also all, the, all his time in college was left guard. Yeah. He never played right guard before. I think it's a... Uh... It's a good combination, right? That's his comfort position. Plus you're sitting right next to the best left tackle in football right now, who's obviously going to help him a lot. So I think that's why I think I would prefer to see him at left guard. I always like when you try and change guys the least, if this is what they did well in college and what they've done in their careers, let them do that in the NFL. Having to make big changes like that is very difficult to do. I don't disagree.
1: Uh, There's plenty of, players that somebody drafted thinking well we can he can become this it's like if he isn't that in college he's not going to probably succeed at that in the nfl um and you know we've talked about how it's more difficult than most people like to think changing the side that you're on it's not the same position it is different you gotta there's a lot of muscles you know when you're used to being on the left side you develop certain muscles now, obviously, you're a pro, you're trying to develop the other side, but it is different because you're you're coming off the line, going certain directions, your hands get more work depending on what side you're on, you know, things like that. There, there's little things, and then there's also probably a bigger part of it being the scheme. You know, you got different responsibilities depending on the side of the line you're on. You know, this team is going to run certain plays to the right. They do run a lot of the same plays to both directions, but not necessarily there are plays out there that they've run that only go a certain direction because they like the offensive lineman on that side more or i don't know if kyle factors this in i'm sure some coaches do some don't you know what way the running back's more comfortable some running backs see things better when they're running a certain direction
0: so that's the situation at guard you're right about uh developing the muscles though that's something that bosa talked about Last year, when he was like, look, if you only rush the passer from one side, it, you know, puts more stress on one half of your body. So that's part of the reason he likes switching it up. Same thing applies to to offensive linemen, too. It's the same thing. You're setting with the same leg over and over again. So we'll see what happens at guard. Uh, I hope Aaron Banks works out. You know, on, a, on a yesterday's show, Kyle Posey and Akash talked about how Good organizations don't wait for a hole to be there on a roster. They draft accordingly. They look ahead, and then so they have somebody ready to step up and fill that hole. I remember the former 49ers GM, Trent Baalke, drafting with a similar philosophy and getting crushed for it. He would draft guys that couldn't play their first year in the league, and then supposedly they would be ready to go. I just to me isn't it easier to just pick a guy that's ready to play now i don't know you're putting a lot of faith clearly the niners are putting a ton of faith in their scouting their drafting and their ability to develop guys
1: yeah i think saying that sounds nice but the reality is you just have to draft guys who are good that's period that's it doesn't matter if you draft him And they're good as rookies, or if they're ready to go year two and they get the opportunity, does not matter. You just have to draft guys who end up succeeding, end up being decent draft picks. That's it. It it doesn't matter now or in two years or three years. You know, if you're drafting for the future, you can draft for the future or you can draft for the right now. It doesn't matter. You just have to get the right guy. Otherwise, you're going to fail. That's all it comes down to. I I think it's a a lot. People like to make it more than it is. If you're a, a team that's going to succeed you are drafting guys who do who end up being good players, whether they're good in year two because there's a starter in front of them in year one or if they're good right away as a rookie. It, that, that part of it I don't think really matters. And if you're always drafting for years two, three, and four, that's a problem because you got to have a balance. There are times when you need to prioritize the right now. Certainly there's a difference between being a mostly finished roster like the 49ers are now, I think you get a little bit more luxury in trying to plan for the future when maybe you have a guy who's gonna suddenly become really expensive and you know you're not gonna be able to give him the contract he wants, versus a rebuilding team. You know, teams drafting at the top of the draft, they kinda have to draft for right now because they have so many holes, they can't just say, "Well, we can draft a backup, even though we have 10
0: spots that need starters. And remember, where you miss in the draft, you pay in free agency. Uh, so look at the 49ers. They drafted Reuben Foster. He was a bust. Hello, Quan Alexander. Come on down. Now, he was also a bust, unfortunately. But that's sort of how those holes open up on your roster, where that's the cost of missing on draft picks. You either have to spend more draft picks on the same position, or you go out in free agency, and then you have to pay market rate for people that aren't necessarily going to be able to live up to those contracts.
1: Yeah, I mean they didn't draft Drake Greenlaw saying, hey, Quan's only going to be here a short while. No, they thought Quan and Warner were their answers for pretty much up until now. I mean, Quan probably would have been out of his contract coming after this past season. But there's two years there where Dre Greenlaw suddenly was the starter because Quan got an injury and was never the same coming back from it. So I, I don't think it goes both ways. You know what I mean? Sometimes it just happens to work out that way. They didn't draft Greenlaw thinking, well, we can, you know, groom him one year, and then he's going to fill in for Quan. No, it just so happened that way. Injuries happen. So that's why depth matters. And that's why they should be getting, you know, to go back to our original topic of conversation, they need to draft a tackle or sign a veteran that's capable of being a starter, you know, not necessarily, you know, a guy that's wanting starting money, but somebody they can fill in if Glenn, McGlinchey is not right, or Jalen Moore ends up failing. Like, you might think Jalen Moore is ready to go. You don't know until he's actually in there. There could be adjustments the defenders make, and suddenly he has this Achilles heel that he's constantly beat by this, you know, one type of stunt or whatever it ends up being. Plus, right now, if McGlinchey doesn't come back healthy, isn't capable of really going, and then Jalen Moore also gets an injury, who the hell plays tackle? You need a solid guy there, just in case. Glenn, she doesn't come back
0: offensive line depth i think is, is starters and depth really is a big need for this team going into the draft you mentioned the right tackle situation we still don't know about alex Mack. kyle posey tweeted yesterday the 49ers have met with multiple centers cam jergens cole strange uh, and again if i mispronounce any of these names uh, forgive me gene delance so they clearly recognize one even if alex Mack's comes back they still need someone to take over for him because he's probably only playing one more year Two, if he doesn't come back which they may know already they need a center and that center is a huge deal in this offense so clearly they recognize that with just who they're visiting with before the draft
1: right I mean at this point Alex Mack could have told them that he's retiring and they're just playing it like he's not just like they did with Joe Staley nobody knew Joe Staley was retiring until suddenly it was the Here's the Trent Williams deal. Oh, and Joe Staley's retiring.
0: Yep. Monday of draft week, John Lynch said, well, we haven't heard anything that leads us to believe he's retiring. Well, yep. Guess what? <laughs> Whereas we now know he had actually already
1: told them, hey, yep. I'm done. Told them a long while before that, if I'm not mistaken. It was like a good month before that. It he said, hey, I'm done.
0: Yeah. I mean, he told us he knew after the Super Bowl was over yep. that he was done. So clearly.
1: And that he was. I think if if I remember correctly, he even told his family, like, you know, this is. He knew going into that, that that was the end because of his injuries. He didn't want to go through it again and, and risk something else.
0: Joe, we miss you, Joe. We got to get Joe back on the pod. I got to get on that. Yeah, you do. Do your job. <laughs> you know, it must be nice for you. You sit around all day. and All of a sudden you get a text. Hey, Joe Staley's going to come on. That's great for you, isn't it? Some people actually have to put the legwork in to make that happen. <laughs> well, uh, somebody's paid full time. <laughs> I love to see
1: full time. Somebody gets to stay podcast. in their basement non-stop. Yeah. never has to leave
0: their house. Where, where do I have to go? I have to go to work. I go to work, too. It just happens to be in my basement. Well, we're still yeah. both at work. And that's why you got to schedule the guests. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, getting back to the draft stuff, uh, obviously, offensive line is a major need. Safety, I think, is a major need. I still think corner needs to be their dress. They need to add more depth there. And I think we'll see the Niners take another receiver and another running back in the draft. I think they're going to add to both of those spots because right now at receiver, especially, it's, it's Debo, it's Ayuk, it's Jennings, and maybe Ray-Ray McLeod. But I continue to think that he's not going to have a major receiving role. I think he's going to be primarily special teams.
1: I mean, I, I watched, obviously, a lot of Steelers games because I live in Pittsburgh. Ray-Ray McLeod is... He, he's obviously really good with the ball in his hands. That's why he's a returner, and that's pretty much all his receptions. All his receptions were here's a wide receiver screen. Do something with it. That's why his career yards per reception is under 10 because they were all screens. Well, if you're the 49ers, you're gonna run a screen for Debo or Ray Ray McLeod. I think I'm gonna <laughs> choose Debo. <laughs> so yeah. like he's he's not needed in that role. So I I agree he's not gonna be a big part of it. But there's there's another reason why they need to go wide receiver, and that is they could be up against it in a year there there's certainly a scenario here where either Debo gets his big extension or he hasn't gotten it yet because they're still fighting that could still turn sour. We don't until there's an extension, there's the possibility that turns sour, but there's also the possibility that Ayuk puts up big numbers now that Lance is the starter and that's who he's close with. And now you've got a situation where Ayuk is wanting a big deal. And so it is possible that we go into next off season where you have Debo already on his big deal because he ended up getting his extension. And Ayuk is at the point where he's saying, give me an extension or trade me. And so the Niners need somebody to be able to fill in. You know what I mean? Like they need somebody that's capable of playing on the outside. Jennings is a guy that's up and coming, but you need another option there. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket if you get into a situation where one of those two receivers – that you right now are counting on as your starters, are saying, give me the big deal or I'm out next offseason. Because it's
0: possible one of those get to that situation. Maybe. What do you think of this situation, this hypothetical? Brandon Ayuk, I agree with you, could have a breakout year next year, but it would be his only really breakout season, kind of like Debo now. Does that help the 49ers? At contract time because maybe they don't have to pay tippy top of the market if they do want to keep iuk around.
1: To a degree, but is that helping Debo right now? Well no. I'm sure that's the argument the Niners are arguing with Debo right now. Hey, you've only had one big year. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so, but Debo's like value comes from his versatility, whereas Ayuk is strictly just a wide receiver.
1: Right. Uh I would say I would let's just let's put it out there that under this assumption. Ayuk has, say, like a 90-catch, 1,300-yard season. Has a huge year on par with, like, Debo last year, right? And he's really, really close with Lance. Now, for him, I think the Mm -hmm. leverage you have for him is, do you really want to go to a new quarterback who you don't know how he's going to be, your relationship with him? Or do you want to take a little bit of a team-friendly deal here and you get to keep your guy who you have become the number one for? You know what I mean? I I think that's more the pitch – In this scenario where Ayuk goes off next year, it's, hey, Lance and you are extremely close. Let's keep this together.
0: That's going to be interesting. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if Lance is as well-liked in the locker room as Jimmy Garoppolo. Because pretty much everybody likes Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's not something that you can just take for granted. I mean, we saw with Colin Kaepernick, he was not, you know, everybody's buddy in the locker room. That was one of the criticisms of him. Yeah, that he had clicks Right, and, and that's not something that you could just assume well, everyone's going to like Trey Lance because he's a starter. Like, no. Like Colin Kaepernick took them to a Super Bowl and he wasn't everybody's buddy in the locker room. So we'll have to see how that develops, but I agree. It looks right now like he's closest with Ayuk, and that could be a factor uh, come contract talks too. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what the Niners do in the draft in terms of uh, a wide receiver.
1: Let me ask you a question here yes. about the quarterback situation. Do you feel... A little bit better this week than you did last week with the situation of Jimmy still being on the roster
0: I feel better today after Kyle Shanahan spoke than I felt after John Lynch spoke I'll tell you that like my mood has definitely improved Kyle said he wouldn't name Lance the starter but for example is something I wrote about on Niners Nation yesterday he talked about Brian greasy and all he talked about was what Greasy can do for Trey Lance. Oh, he yeah, can he's one mentor. of the smartest
1: guys he's ever been around in terms of quarterback-type
0: stuff, and he's been through the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. You're not talking about that stuff about your quarterback coach with the backup. You're talking yeah. about what he can do for the starter. So just hearing that, even though Kyle didn't expressly state it, to me shows that Kyle thinks that it's going to be Lance this year, and they are just, they're moving ahead one way or the other with number five as the starter which should we should have arrived here well before this point, but now I actually believe that they see the importance of that.
1: See, there's a different thing that Kyle said uh, the other day that gave me – I wouldn't say completely eliminated my why is Jimmy on this roster, but it made me feel a heck of a lot better because to me it kind of signified that even if no trade candidate comes forward after he's healthy in July – Jimmy will not be on this team participating in training camp. And that would be the part when he talked about who he's talking to. He said he's had pretty much no communication with Jimmy this offseason, and then he talks to Trey Lance pretty much every day. Well, that tells me he's prepping Trey Lance, and he's not prepping Jimmy, sending him, hey, this is what we're planning to do next year, because he knows Jimmy's not going to be on this roster. If they can't find a trade partner once he's healthy. He will be released prior to training camp is what that made me feel like. Might not. It's not 100% because unless he says that matter-of-factly, it's not 100%. But that was how I took that. That's how it made me feel. The fact that he's had no communication with Jimmy essentially tells me that he's not sending him game plans and, hey, this is our strategy next year. These are the things I'm thinking, which is what he normally does with his starting quarterback in the offseason. And then he said he's talking to Trey
0: Lance every day. That tells me he's doing it for Trey Lance. The thing that was interesting about that, too, is he didn't frame it like I'm not he didn't frame it like, I'm not just not talking that much with Jimmy this offseason. He said, like, Jimmy yeah. usually doesn't talk that much in the offseason, which, like, look, I-, I don't have any hard proof of this, but I would feel like most of the time head coaches and quarterbacks talk a lot during the offseason. Like, I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. Patrick Mahomes, especially offensive. Reed, yeah. All right. Like, head
1: coaches, they're coming up with game plans. Like we know Tom Brady in the offseason was game planning for the next season. Already
0: with whoever his offensive coordinator was. That's how he always did it. And I just, I don't know. Maybe that says something about Jimmy's level of commitment in the offseason. Maybe it doesn't. You know, I want to be fair, but I'd, I'll just say this I would much rather have a situation where the head coach is talking to the starting quarterback every day, especially when it's a, a guy with as little experience as Trey Lance has had. So I love hearing that. That puts me in a great mood.
1: It, it is kind of surprising that Jimmy ghosts so much because. It's not just Kyle Shanahan. That's true. There, there are a lot of players that have said, yeah, Jimmy's pretty much impossible to get a reply back from. You know, it, is it a massive issue? No. If a quarterback is really good, do you end up ignoring that and it's not a problem? Yes. But if you're not, you know, an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, communication and team cohesion is a big part of what you're going to bring to the table. And that is what everybody says Jimmy brings to the table, which Yes, to a certain degree he is great in the locker room, but if he's ghosting everybody in the offseason, that is somewhat of a negative.
0: I agree. When you if you've reached a certain level of play like Ben Roethlisberger was a Hall of Fame quarterback, he did not strike me as a dude that was working on his craft a lot in the offseason.
1: No, he flat admitted it prior to, prior right. to his comeback 2 years ago, you know, when he was coming back off the injury, he said that that time off for the injury, all the physical rehab he had to do, That was really the first time he's ever truly (laughs) worked out. And he came into camp in like great shape. You know, he wasn't fat Big Ben anymore. And he admitted that he's never really worked out. And then coming into last year, he talked about how he continued that. And it's really the first time that he's kind of had this true workout regimen. And by the way, he is definitely the type that also goes to people. That is one of the negatives around that. He is very standoffish with both the city. Like there's not a lot of love for Big Ben in the city because he's never really engaged in the city like he's definitely been communication wise
0: has that negative so i mean it's possible to still play at a super high level if you do that but it's not it's not likely and so i like the trays in contact with kyle every day that's awesome like you know i don't want them to get caught but i'm like violate the cba like whatever have as much communication as possible you know there's a story of tom brady he went to go visit with Byron Lefwitch, which was against the rules in the CBA. And he actually mm-hmm. went to the wrong house. Yeah, and yeah it was yeah. a whole and he never got punished for that, shockingly. But like, yeah, yeah I want my quarterback to try and do as much as possible. Uh, so that's a good point by you to bring up that comment uh, from Kyle, because I, I agree. I think it was pretty telling. Yeah, that, that's what I feel like it, it signifies. Jimmy will not be around next year. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, just before we go. The 49ers owner is Jed York, as everybody knows. And he said what I think is maybe the dumbest thing that I've heard anybody say about the Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance situation. And I'll tell you what that is. when we'll give you our reaction to it when we come back. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. Okay, Levin. uh, We talked about John Lynch speaking at the league meetings. We talked about Kyle Shanahan speaking at the league meetings. Jed York has also met the media while in Florida, and he was talking about the 49ers quarterback situation. And I I don't know if he had been day drinking or if the ghost or the spirit of David Lombardi came down and like possessed him and took over his body. But he said one of the most absurd things about the 49ers quarterback situation, he started comparing it to Steve Young and Joe Montana. And he said, if Steve Young can sit for four years, and play at a Hall of Fame level, than anybody can sit. And he said, if that's the situation we have, sign me up for that problem any day. And I just there's a lot of avenues to go
1: down, all negative with this comment.
0: Like, first of all, most obvious thing, in this scenario, he's comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to Joe Montana. like right there, red flag, full stop, hard pass. What the hell are you doing? Joe Montana and Jimmy Garoppolo, they shouldn't even be mentioned in the same sentence. Joe Montana played in four Super Bowls. He won all four and he never threw an interception. Jimmy Garoppolo played in one Super Bowl. He threw multiple interceptions. Like, Jed, for someone that grew up around this team, how could you make such an absurd comment?
1: So, yeah, there's that aspect. I think it's very disrespectful to both Joe Montana and Steve Young. There's a reason why the Colts didn't get Matt Ryan and immediately say, hey, we got Peyton Manning again. <laughs> you know, it's disrespectful to your greats to instantly put somebody up there. But there's another aspect to this that he said, you know, you if a Hall of Fame quarterback like Steve Young can sit for four years, why anybody else can? Okay, well, if Trey Lance is a Hall of Fame quarterback and you have him sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a big difference. The reason why Steve Young, a Hall of Fame quarterback, could sit for four years and nobody say anything, or I guess people did say stuff, but you know what I mean, um, is because Joe Montana was arguably the best ever at that point already and was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, a Hall of Fame quarterback can sit behind another Hall of Fame quarterback. A Hall of Fame quarterback cannot sit behind a journeyman starting quarterback, which is what Jimmy is headed to if this offseason is any kind of indication.
0: I mean. Steve Young was sitting because Joe Montana was winning MVPs, MVPs, not, not not Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, come on, man. I, I just talked with Lee Steinberg who used to represent Steve Young. And he mentioned at one point they had Montana who was the highest paid player in the league. And then they had Steve Young on the bench and Steve Young was the fifth highest paid player in the league, which tells you that they knew Steve Young was really damn good, but Joe Montana was the best. That is not the situation with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's my other reaction to this.
1: The reason why they could do that is because there wasn't really a salary cap yet. <laughs> the reason why you draft somebody super high is so that you get them on a cheap deal and you can use that savings on the rest of the roster to kind of upgrade the rest of the roster while you have a young quarterback. Well, if you wait four years, you lost all of that opportunity. That's a major difference here. You can't wait four years for the cheap quarterback to suddenly become expensive and then suddenly insert him. You lose all of that advantage, not to mention if you make a somebody drafted number three overall, I'm not even saying specifically Trey lines, any quarterback drafted that highly, sit for four years, they're not signing to stay with you. They're getting the heck out of town.
0: Right. So, I, and maybe it's just a case of like, this has been going on for so long and they've been asked about this so many times that people are just, they don't know what to say. And so they kind of word salad their way through it. Um, But I just thought the whole comment was just absurd. It was just absurd from Jed York. And I just, it struck me because like, like I said, he's not somebody that, you know, never had anything to do with football. And then all of a sudden came into becoming an owner because his dad bought the team. Like, no, he's in the, the Debartolo family, like the York Debartolo family. He grew up around the team. So it it just blew me away. And I just wish that he would not have said anything at all. Because every time he talks about the quarterback situation, I feel like he makes it worse.
1: <laughs> Jed is best when he's not talking about specific situations. <laughs> <laughs> Put it that way. Like I I like how Jed has changed. I think he learned some lessons from the whole Jim, Tom Sula, Chip Kelly era. And I like that he's been in the background. I don't want a Jerry Jones owner. I don't want somebody who's rich. And because they're rich, they think they're the world's best GM. When you can just look at the Cowboys history since he became the de facto GM and see Jerry Jones isn't very good at it. So I just, it it makes me laugh. I wonder why he did it, because it wasn't a press conference, truly. I mean, he's standing in front of a building. It's not like he's sitting on a podium. To me, he could have easily just said, hey, I'm not talking.
0: Right, and that's what uh, David Tepper did, the Panthers owner, when they were going to ask him about you know, rules, job status, and all that stuff. For people that don't know, it's the league meetings, which are held at a hotel, super fancy, swanky hotel. They, they move the league meetings around. And all these people are just walking around. I've covered this for NBC. Like literally you just look around and the coaches are all there. They're wandering around. The owners are wandering around. I'll never, ever forget the first league meetings I ever covered. Florio tried to give me a heads up. Like this is what it's going to be like. And I understood, but I didn't really understand. So I get to the hotel and I check in and it's like 11 o'clock in the morning, 10 30, o'clock in the morning. And I look over in the hotel bar and there's Jerry Jones just sitting in the bar by himself drinking. And he's already super drunk and it's 10 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. That's literally what the owner's meetings are. They're just all around and they're all drinking, having a good time. And is that so... when he gave
1: the St- uh, the Zeke extension?
0: <laughs> Could have been, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, but then they, so these guys are all there and then the reporters show up and they just like grab you basically pull them yeah. aside and, and start asking questions. And if the person wants to talk, they talk. That's why like some of the, the audio that I've played of Kyle Shanahan has like water in the background because he was standing next to a fountain when they grabbed him. Like, so it's just, it's kind of a free for all.
1: Right. And that's why I think he kind of got caught. He decided, you know what, I'm going to answer some questions. And then he started talking and it's like, that's why you don't answer
0: questions, Jed. Just stay in the background. Ultimately, it's not that big a deal. It's no. not going like to anything, but it's just, it's just, just like, oh man. Like, Can you imagine
1: would've... Joe Montana today? Right, like Just Joe's like sitting at home. Goes, <laughs> why am I? Why is everybody saying I need to watch this? You know, somebody texted to him or something. And he, he looks at it and he's like, "What the hell?" This little—I'm sure he—he, I—I don't know his relationship with Jed, but Jed was like a little kid when Joe was around, so he's probably got to be thinking like these stupid millennial kids. <laughs>
0: supposedly a lot of people think Tom Brady was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo and he said, well, you're going to stick with that mother effort. I wonder if Joe Montana says somewhere that you're comparing me to that mother effort <laughs> could be. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see. I don't think it's ever
1: happened. At least I never heard about it. Joe Montana and Tom Brady to like sit down together and just have like a episode together, you know, like a podcast or something, you know, like that barbershop thing or whatever that that would be really interesting for those two to just like kind of talk to each other and tell stories. And, you know, was it like this for you? That would be fascinating. Make it happen, Rob.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sure. (laughs) I'll just, I'll text them. That's what I'll do. I'll hit them up in our group chat. Hey, Joe and Tom, can we have a half hour of your time? I'm sure they'll hit me back right away. Maybe by the end of this pod, who knows? I better be included on that one. Yeah, sure. (laughs) you know what it is they were going to do it and then they found out that you were involved so they said oh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah joe probably tipped him off <laughs>
0: don't talk to that guy he's a steve young fan he knows <laughs> joe listens still trying to track down steve young by the way that's my dream i want to be uh, able to. he's text kind of elusive <laughs> <one day. laughs> Get it? Oh, all right never mind the search is over that's going to do it for this edition of the gold standard podcast again please rate review follow the niners nation podcast network if you leave a review, as you've heard, we will read it on the show. You can follow Levin on Twitter at LTBlackNiners. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at StatsOnFire. DMs are open. Hit us up. We love to talk football. Levin will be a lot meaner to you on Twitter than I will. But that's just, <laughs> you know, just kind of who you are. Yeah, hey, I, re- I return
1: in kind. I'm very, very, very sarcastic
0: on Twitter. So don't take
1: everything I say seriously. If I'm being serious with my insults,
0: you'll know. Brace yourself. (laughs) Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.